0: Hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Brattle Cast, a discussion about books, rare, old, and out of print, about all kinds of collectibles, about the joy of reading and the joy of trading information about books. And with me, of course, is the proprietor of the famous Brattle Bookshop in Boston on West Street, that uh, has been an institution for so many years and decades, will continue well into the future. With me is Ken Gloss, the proprietor, and uh, we thought in the midst of what's obvious, the pandemic and the podcast we've been doing that we shift gears a little bit, even though we're still doing it separated by a few miles uh, on Zoom. We're going to go back in history. And you wanted to focus on one particular female uh, personage in the history of the uh, country who doesn't get enough attention, but she will now. Her name is Elizabeth Bacon Custer. Hmm. Custer is a familiar name. (laughs) Tell us more.
1: Well, first of all, the way this came up is someone uh, actually emailed from one of the other podcasts at, saying they had some books of Elizabeth Custer and were just wondering about the value, what they might be worth. And I thought, gee, this, this could be a really interesting topic, because if you talk about strong, well-known uh, people, uh, you don't necessarily think of Elizabeth Custer, but George Armstrong Custer, would not be who he was, or known as he was, if it wasn't for Elizabeth Custer. Matter of fact, if it hadn't been for her, he probably would have been looked at as a, a, a reckless uh, general who caused all sorts of problems and was part of rid- ridiculed through history. Uh, Elizabeth Custer, she was, she was born in the eighteen forties. Uh, she had a uh, she grew up in a middle-class family. Her father was a judge, but her siblings and her mother died when she was young. They're just disease and so on back in the 1840s. In the early 1860s, she met George Armstrong Custer and uh, she was at a, uh, her father had a girl's school. She was the valedictorian of her class Custer had gone to West Point, managed to finish last in his class, Mm -hmm. but he was a character and they started a relationship. Uh, Her father absolutely did not want her to have anything to do with him. He was uh, an officer, but a low ranking officer and uh, he wasn't good enough for her. As the civil war went on, he led many battles. He got promoted to general. Uh, The relationship continued. They got married at the end of the war, and uh, it was a relationship that she very much enjoyed and liked, and uh, and one of the things that was interesting though, when he was in the war at the beginning, uh, in their honeymoon, they went to New York, they went to Washington, they liked traveling and touring, and she settled in Washington while he was out at the Civil War and battles. And as he got more and more prominent, she became the wa- the wife of a brigadier general. I mean, so she had prestige, but she got to know everybody in Washington. She got to know the uh, politicians, the congressmen, the senators. She even got to meet Lincoln at one time, who she didn't think much of until after she met him. And then she said, you should give the vote to women, and you'd have one more vote now. Uh-huh. Um, But uh, a lot of what they felt that the promotions that George Custer, he was reckless on the field, but he won the battles. But also, she was back in Washington with the politicians saying he should get promoted and so on, uh, which worked out well for him. Then, after the war, a lot of the uh, ranks went down. In other words, you were a brigadier general during the war, they didn't need as many generals. So, you get not demoted, but you' maybe a colonel and so on, and he wanted to stay in the service, uh, and he got sent out to the West, out to Kansas, Texas, and a lot of the Indian warfare, a lot of what was happening then was the railroads and the settlers were starting to go out. Elizabeth Custer was one of the only women at the end of the Civil War who actually went and stayed with the troops. She was with Custer. They they didn't want to be separated, uh, and she actually entertained them. Uh, but she was very much for going out. And when he got assigned to going out to the west, she went with him there. And a lot of these were you know way out in the west and uh, not the most formidable conditions. Mm. And um, in any case, uh, there was one point where she had to leave. Uh, Custer was so attached to her that he actually deserted. A lot of people don't know this. He deserted, left, mm. and went back to see her. He got court-martialed for it, and uh, and she sort of still helped and supported him. And then when they uh, the Dakota Territory opened up, uh, and they wanted to see what was going on there, they wanted a general who might be willing to take more chances. Custer was the one that they sent out there. She went with him, and she you know, lived through it, she entertained, uh, she uh, told about a lot of the hardships, uh, worked with a lot of the wives and so on. But then of course, in June of 1876, they were just outside of Bismarck, North Dakota, Custer went off to the Little Bighorn and was wiped out. And a lot of the initial reaction to that was that he really didn't do that great a job. she left, she was heartbroken. She went back to uh, where she, uh, from the Midwest, and then to Ohio, but she felt he needed his reputation. She almost immediately hired a biographer who wrote this wonderful biography of, uh, of uh, Custer. Uh, Grant, who was president at the time, thought uh, that Custer was a fool and uh, terrible she hated that which is mm. why she had the biography written and then she lived until her 90s
0: 1933 She life, yeah yeah
1: for almost 50 years was just promoting the myth of custer
0: it's so interesting as as we'll get into this um in the films of the early hollywood days in the 30s errol flynn plays custer as we all remember right and he's a glorious hero and then in the later years, in the 60s, there was a movie called Little Big Man with Dustin Hoffman in which Custer is portrayed as a bumbling, racist fool. And his image was tarnished and changed back to what probably is reality. So it's really fascinating how much impact and influence she had on his, his persona up until the time she died.
1: Well, basically, she was his persona. She created his persona. Created it, yeah. Uh, first of all, when he died, He was in tremendous debt. He had almost no money either through gambling, through spending, through whatever. She was left with almost nothing. When she went back, she went to New York. She got a job uh, working as a secretary for an arts and craft uh, people who help widows of soldiers. And then she started writing a few articles. And then the next thing you know, she was writing articles about Custer, about uh the west she wrote three books uh which is what the person who started uh, me thinking of this wrote they were best-selling books uh that she made a lot of money on now uh one of the things is they're good books they're great reads i actually read them uh but they're not terribly valuable because they were best sellers so they sell for a (laughs) hundred or two hundred dollars but through the books and through the lecturing and through her personality, she actually had a career as a woman. She never remarried. One of the great regrets was that they never had children. She said she would have wanted a son to carry on the Custer name. And, uh, but also because she was so loved and she was a widow, nobody would go up against her. In other words, if somebody even thought that Custer wasn't this great man, they they basically were almost saying, "Well, we'll wait until she's out of the picture, and then we'll give things." But she outlived them all. She, she lived into her 90s. She had statues built of Custer. Uh, she had receptions at West Point. She lectured, um, and nobody would go against her as the widow of Custer. And so she built his image, and. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt said Custer was one of his heroes and wrote letters to her. Uh, and it really shows that she was this essentially brilliant woman who understand images, understood how to get out there and, and create an image. She understood that how the country felt about the opening of the West and that they wanted heroes. They didn't want, you know, it's always easier to make somebody a hero than it is to tear their reputation and say they were a fool and were slaughtering innocent people, which she did do. Uh, so she lived into the 30s and it really wasn't until almost the 50s where her reputation, she became not as well known, but and that the people could start criticizing Custer. She also, uh, remember I said that she uh, had no money When he died in 1876. In 1933, she left an estate of over $100,000 that she had made on lecturing, touring, Mm. writing, uh, which in 1933, right in this height of the depression, was probably the equivalent of millions of dollars now. Mm. But reading about her and reading about how women are influential, it really is a great story of the late 19th to early 20th century, because she probably should have been the one who became famous. Maybe if it had been a more modern time, maybe she would have gone on to be a senator, a congressperson. Maybe she would have been running companies or businesses or been the leader. But back in the 1870s to the early 30s, a a widowed woman couldn't be that.
0: Yeah, in fact, as we all know, Custer was was flirting with the idea of running for president, I believe, if not more than once. And uh, you're right; uh, so many, uh, so many things are based on where people fall in the history timeline. But a fascinating uh, individual, and we want to thank the listener uh, to the podcast for recommending we talk about this.
1: The the other thing that I would really recommend about her book, she did tenting on the plains, boots and saddles, is that she gives a. She's a great writer. And she gives a tremendous picture of what it was like being a woman with a military unit in what was then the unsettled West, in the hardships, the living conditions, even fording and getting across a river when the snows came. So I would recommend it not only on how she was a brilliant in promoting Custer's myth and legend and image, but also their fabulous books on. What the frontier life was like, what it was like for a woman. Now, she had one huge advantage, I will say, is she was an officer's, a high ranking officer's wife. She did have servants, so she didn't have to do all the cleaning and cooking, but she describes in detail. Even if you're out in Bismarck, North Dakota, in the winter, and in the winter you really can't do much, the troops, you start having entertainments. You have Art, you have theater, you have whatever. Because one of the biggest problems was boredom, and she was great at helping with that. So, I highly recommend reading about, reading her books, uh, and collecting them. And it can lead off to a whole collection of other women's stories and histories, whatever.
0: Well, again, we want to thank that uh, listener for recommending we talk this up and bring it up, and we invite other listeners to do the same. If you've got a topic that you think Ken and I should focus on and Ken does all this great research, feel free to email him through the website brattlebookshop.com and uh, we will we will forge ahead and uh, move this this troop forward as we as we sail on through the pandemic and beyond. Ken, thank you so much as always. be well and uh, keep up the fight. And the uh, same to you and I'll look forward to
1: the next one. And even more, I'll look forward to when all of this starts to become history and in the past.